Today we finish a four-week series that's been entitled Together. And what we've been doing is going through the book of Ephesians and looking at really what being together as the body of Christ does for us. And so we, we talked about how um, being together brings us peace and how being together helps us to grow up and to experience God's love. And, and today, as we complete this series, the message is entitled, Together We Can Change the World. Now, changing the world is a, um, that's a phrase that's often used these days. And usually it has to do with some high-tech something or other, some futuristic technology that's going to change everything, or perhaps a politician that says uh, his or her way of doing things is going to make everything better. And, and often these are very complicated uh, issues that people think if we do this and this and this and this, just these very difficult things that only very special or very smart people can do, then we can actually change the world. But in our passage, in our scripture from Ephesians today, we're going to see something that every single one of us can come together and can do. And if we do these things, we will in fact change the world. And so I invite you to uh, read along in your Bible or on the screen as uh, we go to our passage today, which is Ephesians chapter 4, begins in chapter 4, verse 32, and we'll read on uh, through verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 2. I want to ask you if you would please stand. Be kind. And compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you, and Father, we just ask that you would help these, this wisdom contained in these verses, that it would sink deeply into our lives, that it would saturate our hearts, that, that we would just breathe in and out the way of living that you've called us to live right here. And in so doing, that you, Lord, would be honored and glorified. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. About 10 years ago, I ran into a girl that I went to high school with. Now, I say that lightly. It's, it's kind of funny, right? Anybody you went to high school, there's a boy or a girl, right? They're, they're, not, they're not really anymore, but they always will be to you. So I ran into this girl from high school. We talked just a little bit, and she started to say, what I remember about you. Now, it's amazing how fast your mind can go. And I started anticipating. You know you anticipate, you fill in the blanks. And so before she finishes the statement, I start to think, what's she going to say? She's going to remember, Tim, I remember those races you won, how fast you were. 
Or maybe she's going to remember, Tim, you were so smart. I mean, I just remember, or Tim, you were just, you were the most fun guy to be around. You know, I had all these things. What is she going to remember? What is she going to say that she remembers? And I, I have to say, I was quite shocked and mystified when she sent, finished that sentence and she said, Tim, what I remember about you is how kind you were to me. I'm going to tell you, uh, I never in a million years would have thought she was going to finish the sentence that way. It could have been, you know, Tim, I remember those pranks you pulled. Tim, I remember how you were, you know, you, whatever, really good or really bad. But I never thought she would say, I remembered how kind you were to me. I haven't ever talked to this girl again. But I've thought about that. What, what did I do? I don't remember anything special out of the ordinary in my behavior toward her. And before y'all go and say, oh, isn't he such a good guy? Let me just admit, she was drop-dead gorgeous. I had reason to be kind to her, okay? So I'm not up here talking about how great I am, all right? And, and, but I just thought, wow. Of all the things I thought maybe I might be remembered for, she remembered kindness. Kindness is one of those things that we all know we should be, we should do. But somehow, all these other things, our, our accomplishments and achievements and our this and that, and yeah, all these things seem to stack up way higher on the list. And we don't tend to, when we say, what are the things we should really strive for? How are the ways that we're really going to impact people in this life? Somehow kindness gets overlooked. But in fact, as God wor God's word tells us here, kindness can be earth-shattering, mind-blowing, monumental, world-changing when we all get together and learn how to treat one another in the way we should. I learned this verse a long time ago when I was a kid. I learned it in the old King James Version. And I remember it said, Be ye kind, and that ye meant y'all. It meant every single one of you. Not if you were raised that way. Not if that's your natural predisposition. Because some of us try to give, us an out, give ourselves an out. Well, I'm just that way. I'm just blunt. My whole family, we just, we just speak our mind. You know, we give ourselves an excuse for not being kind with all kind of different qualifiers. But Paul said, be ye, be y'all, every single one of y'all, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ in, uh, God in Christ Jesus forgave you. Let's break that down for a minute. Be kind. What does that mean? The scholars that I read as I was studying the commentaries on this, they said a couple of things about that word kind. They said, one, it could be translated become kind, not just be kind, but become kind. In other words, Paul was saying, hey, none of you are naturally the way you ought to be. Even if you had good parents and you're from good people and blah, 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 you all naturally have a need to work on this area. None of us can, can be like, yeah, you need to listen up because you need to be kinder. No, this message is for each of us. Paul says, become kind. This is something that we should work on, that we should focus on. The other thing that the scholars say is that this word also 
Kind is a good translation, but you could also translate it as helpful. In other words, being kind is not just being pleasant. Okay, you can be pleasant, but never really help anybody. This goes beyond simply being a, having a pleasant demeanor, although that'd be a great improvement for a lot of folks, right? If we were just a little more pleasant, but it's actually being helpful. Some of you who are old enough to remember actual VHS tapes, you remember that when you went down to Blockbuster or Moms and Pops or whatever your local store you rented from, they would usually have a sticker on there, and it said, be kind, rewind. Be kind, rewind. Now, I never knew who I was being kind to. The next customer, the guy getting paid minimum wage down at the video store. I'm not sure who I was being kind to. But they're saying, be kind, rewind. In other words, being kind actually meant doing something and being helpful. And so you and I are called to become kind. We are called to work on, to cultivate kindness. I've said this many times before here at this church. When I do premarital counseling, yeah, we look at way back in the beginning, Adam and Eve, and how you, know, you leave and you cleave. We talk about all that. We talk about all the other passages that mention husbands and wives. But the one I usually end my counseling on and say, it doesn't say husbands and wives, but if you actually do this together, it'll probably impact your marriage more than anything else. If you as husbands and wives would learn to be kind and tenderhearted and forgiving towards one another. And that applies to any relationship you have in life. So Paul first says, be kind. Second, second he says, be tenderhearted. Or in some versions, they say compassionate. It's really interesting here because this word, uh, it, it, it has a more literal meaning. Originally in Greek, it meant deeply moved, okay, on the insides, okay? <laughs> kind of has like, kind of like we talk about a gut feeling. Well, this is be deeply moved towards one another. And, and it's funny that the meaning changed over time. The ancient Greeks, they use this expression being moved, being deeply moved, as getting angry. Like something affected them, and it really fired them up, and they really got angry about it. But then, in the New Testament, Christian writing, instead of something deeply moving, causing you to get fired up and angry and ready to fight, being deeply moved meant being really compassionate, really opening yourself up to the feelings and the plight of others. And we had a, uh, one of our favorite critters show up at our house recently. Uh, we don't see him every year. In fact, we thought he'd gone far, far away, but he showed back up. Uh, at our house recently, and we were just thrilled. We were all running toward the back window to check him out. Now, you guys have heard of uh, Puxitani Phil. Eh, he ain't nothing, okay? We've got what we call Blasting Game Bob, okay? And Blasting Game Bob shows up, and he lives underneath our shed and underneath our deck, and, and most years we, we try, but it had been a couple years since we'd even caught a glimpse of him. So most years when we do see him, it's kind of like this first picture. Um, 
He's just kind of barely sticking his head out, if you can make that out at all. Just barely sticking his head out from the deck. And, and that's usually how we see him. He's skittish. He's running. We don't get a good look at him. But this year, we got a better look at him. He came out right on top of the deck. Now, do you see that? I mean, this is our little pet here, Blasting Game Bob. And, and we just love this little guy because he's just... I don't know. I've never lived with a groundhog before. Uh, that's what I think he is. I don't know. He's some kind of cute little critter. And, um, and we were so excited to see him come out. But then I started thinking about the implications of him coming out and being on the deck. You know, kind of like old Puxatani Phil. I said, does this mean six more weeks of this terrible heat? You know, is, are we doomed to suffer some more? I, then my mind kept going. I thought, six more weeks of bad Mississippi State football, is it going to keep getting worse? Uh, and, and, but then I thought, wait, that, this was actually the last weekend. I said, this is Pastor Appreciation Weekend. This means many more years of good ministry here at Berkshire. That's the way that I'm going to interpret that. You see, him showing up and coming out, is it a good sign or a bad sign? Well, it's a lot about how we interpret it. It's a lot about how we view it. And this word here, being deeply moved, it's so interesting that the secular Greeks, it was about getting angry, but for the Christians, it was about having compassion. You see, we've all got issues and rough edges. And when those rough edges rub up against one another, we've got two choices. We can say that irritates me, and I'm tired of that person, and I'm getting angry and frustrated with that person, and we can get all worked up about the way that they uh, treat us or the way that we interact with them. Or we can say, you know, I bet there's a reason they are the way they are. You know, I bet there's something going on behind the scenes that I don't know. And, and, and if they're this way, there's probably some hurt they're experiencing now or some they've experienced in the past. And we can be open and tender-hearted. This means looking at things from their point of view. And when I do that couples counseling, that premarital counseling, I always say it's not enough just to say, well, I'm kind, but also to look at your spouse and when something may irritate you or you may think they're doing that wrong because mama told me it was this way, what you should instead do is look for their point of view. Why is it that you think that's the right way? Or tell me what's going on. What makes you think we should do this? It's, it is a getting out of myself and my personal things that irritate me and get on my nerves and drive me crazy. And I try to look to that other person's point of view. So be kind, be compassionate, and be forgiving. All of us, if we're going to have successful relationships with others, we must, must, must be forgiving. I was reading, um, again, I was reading several commentaries about the book of Ephesians. And one I read was uh, Dr. Warren Wearsby, great preacher, uh, Bible teacher. He used to preach at Moody Church, famous Moody Church in Chicago, and he's written a lot of books and stuff over the years. And he related a story in there about how uh, he said, uh, in his words, this was a handsome older gentleman uh, who came to him and said, um, I, could you do, you know, he didn't really know the guy, but the guy said, hey, can you do this wedding for me? You know, I'd like for you 
to marry us. And, um, you know, he, he was kind of wanting to really get to know the whole situation first, what was going on, what was the life. He, he said, well, why don't you and your fiancé come in and see me, and we'll sit down and talk about this. And the man said, okay, but I want you to know one thing. We were married before, 30 years ago. And one day, I got angry, and she got angry. And in our pride, we separated. We never remarried, but we never had anything to do with one another again. And finally, 30 years later, God got through to our hearts. And now we're coming back together, and we want to use these last few years we have together if the Lord will grant us this time. You can look at that story a couple ways. Number one, as long as you're living and breathing, it's not too late to come to your senses. If you've been prideful, if you've been stubborn, if you have been unwilling to humble yourself to make a relationship right, while you're still living and breathing, there's still time to work on that. And that's a positive thing. But man, I think about, wow, 30 years that this couple who was wildly in love and had kids, but they lost all those years together, admittedly. Wasn't any cheating, wasn't any beating, wasn't any, you know, addiction. Simply pride that they wouldn't back down and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And see, that's not just in marriages, that's in all kinds of relationships. Parents with their children, children with their parents, work relationships, social relationships, church relationships, when our pride keeps us stubborn and from forgiving, we miss out on all that God has for us. And he's got planned so much. You know, is it interesting? God has a good plan for you. And the devil's biggest trick is to say, hey, guess what? God, God's plan isn't the best for you. I've got a better plan. I'm going to give you something that, that, you know, God wasn't going to. He started that back in the garden with the fruit. And the forbidden fruit, we never realize, is actually rotten. Because when we bite into it, it may taste good at first. But it's got consequences that are devastating. And we may feel good, we may feel strong in our anger or in our pride. I'm not letting this happen. I don't have any reason to forgive them. But God's plan for you and I is best. And God has called us to be forgivers. And I have to say this every time I talk about forgiveness. I'm not talking about being a doormat. I'm not talking about allowing yourself to be abused. I'm simply talking about learning to forgive one another. God says, I've got so much for you. We don't have time to go through the rest of the verses, but I'll just point out one of them. He goes on to say in the verses we read, walk in the way of love. I want to say this. Love is not just a destination that we seek and we search, and one day we'll, we'll finally, you know, get the love that God has waiting for us. No, love is a road. Love is a path. We walk in love to get to the destination of maturity 
and blessing in Christ as we walk on that path of love each and every day. And love is not just some feeling. Love involves being kind, being compassionate, and being forgiving. And I challenge you to walk on that road because you will reach out. One day you're going to get to your destination. One day you're going to reach the end of your life. And you'll either look back and regret a whole lot that you missed out on. Or you'll say, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that by God's grace, he allowed me to be kind when I didn't feel like it. To be compassionate when I was wrapped up in my own thoughts and my own feelings. To be forgiving when I didn't want to and I didn't think they deserved it. Guess what? You didn't deserve it either. But he said, you forgive the way God forgave you in Christ. That is looking at you in all your sin, in all your mess, not deserving what he did for you, and yet he chose to forgive you anyway. God's calling you to forgive. Doesn't matter if they deserve forgiveness. What matters is you didn't deserve forgiveness, but God forgave you anyway. Pray with me this morning. Lord God, I come to you And I thank you that you forgave someone like me. God, you know everything about me. All of my messes, all of my sins, all of my goof-ups, all of my secrets, all of my failures. You know all the junk even that nobody else knows. And still you love me. And you do that same thing for every person. God, you love us so much and you are kind to us and you are compassionate to us and you are forgiving towards us help us to be like you and display those same things to our family our friends our co-workers our fellow church members lord literally to everybody that we come into contact may they be marked and touched by God's kindness, living in us, reflected from him, and pouring out on them. God, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.